This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshish Vayish, everybody. We have the Pesukim that deal with the Ksonos of Yosef. It says in Parakhazalamid Zayin, Zayin, Pesuk Lamed Aleph. Vayikuiz Ksonos Yosef, Vayishkulu Shirizim. They took, the Ksonos of Yosef is obviously the Shvat, and they took the shirt of Yosef. And they, sh- by the way, as a side note, the Ksonos we're going to translate, not as the Technicolor Dream Code, because I'm not reform and living on, living in like the middle of Manhattan. I'm going to call it a shirt, because that's what Exonus is. Exonus is a shirt. Maybe it's like a long shirt, and it goes all the way through, but we're going to call it a shirt, okay? So I don't want any problems with it. I don't want anybody raising their hand. Is it a coat? It's not a coat. It's a shirt. Good. Fine. They took the Exonus of Yosef. They took the coat of Yosef. You like that? Okay, it's the shirt of Yosef. They took series in, and they shafted a goat. And they dipped that Ksonis, that shirt, into the blood. And they sent the Ksonis They brought it over to their father. And they said, We found this. Tell us, please. Is this the shirt of your son or not? He immediately recognized it. And he said, That's the Ksonis of my son. A wild animal must have eaten him. Yosef has been chewed up or destroyed or... I don't know, torn apart. So the Alshuk says that the Shvatim knew they were, they were absolutely in trouble. After they had sold Yosef and everything had calmed down a little bit, they sat down for a second and they were like, okay, now what? Now what do we do? It's sort of like the aftermath of like, they made a great decision, they figured out whatever they needed to do, they paskin the halacha and that was it, but like now you have to deal with the aftermath. What are we going to do? If they go back to Yosef, Yaakov Avinu and feign innocence, we have no idea what happened to Yosef, we never saw Yosef, then they know that the next year two years, three years, they're going to be sent out to every part of the world to look for Yosef Atzadik. They're going to be checking under every rock in every country to look where Yosef Atzadik is. And the last thing they wanted was to find Yosef, bring him back. And Yaakov says, Yosef, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, those guys sold me. They know that that's not what they want to happen. Number two, it would be even worse if Yaakov himself would go and try to figure out where Yosef Atzadik was. That would be even worse if Yaakov, you know, found out from a bunch of merchants who were going back and forth saying, oh yeah, your, your other son sold him to us for 20 silver pieces and bought shoes with him. Obviously, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be even worse than that. If they claimed he was dead and they buried him, he's going to ask to go see the grave. He wants to go to the grave and he's going to want to be there and whatever it is. So they knew they couldn't do that and they didn't want to lie. They felt that the best thing to do was to be able to get Yaakov Avinu to say the words himself. Take something from his coat, give it over to Yaakov Avinu for him to say that something had happened to Yosef. That way they didn't say anything, he's the one that do it. And obviously there were a few flaws in the plan that we're going to talk about, but the concept is this was the only thing they could have done. There was nothing else they could have done to make this work in the way that it was. Now, why did they sh- dip the shirt into goat blood? Why was it dipped into goat blood and not anything else? So Rashi tells us that goat blood is very similar to human blood. So it would fool their father into thinking there was the blood of Yosef. So this is why we bring a seir chatos. By every musaf, you have the seir chatos at the very end as a kapara for the fact that they just dipped that 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 use that blood in order to fool their father. Therefore, we go ahead and we take this as our kapara, so to speak, for the sale of Yosef. Sefer Yasher says that the one who came up with this advice was Yisachar. Yisachar is the one that suggested that goat blood is like human blood, so let's dip it inside there. And he thought that this is the best idea. In Gittin, Nun Zayinam Abeyz, Nebuzaradon, is destroying all the Jews and he gets to the base of Mikdash. He looks in the base of Mikdash and he sees a pool of blood that is boiling in the middle of the Azara. And he sees that blood. This is the blood of Zechariah, who was a Navi and Yisrael, who told the Jews that Beis Hamikdash was going to be destroyed and that they're terrible people. The Jews killed him. One person killed him. 
right? And his blood spilled onto the Azara floor and it stayed there for over a hundred years, boiling in the middle of the Azara by the first base of Mikdash. And Nebuzaradan saw it and said, what is this? And they said, it's Korban blood. It's the Korban blood that spilled. That's what they told him. And he went and he compared the blood of Korbanos to that blood and realized it wasn't the same. So the question is, why wasn't it the same? We just said that goat blood looks like human blood. So it is the same. It clearly is the same. So I don't see what the problem is. Why didn't Buzerada not get it? Why wasn't he able to figure out? Why wasn't he able to see and say like, oh, it's goat blood. It works out well. What was the problem that Buzerada had over here? So the Chizkuni answers that goat blood by itself looks like human blood. But Nebuzaradan tried it with a mixture of goat, sheep, and cow blood and saw that it didn't look like the blood on the ground. That's what Chizkuni says. I don't understand that answer at all. I know the Chizkuni is a Rishon, so there's no way I can argue, but it seems very strange to me because why wouldn't the Kohanim have said, it's goat blood? Why wouldn't they have said that? And then he only would have brought goat blood and it would have looked alike because human blood and goat blood looks alike. I just don't get that answer at all. Yeah. Fine, but this is goat blood. I don't understand. Look, what's the issue? It was out of what? What is that? It's goat blood. Bring in goat blood. Oh, it is. Okay. That would have been the end of the Gemara. It's so strange. The Chizkuni says he brought a mixture of blood. So don't bring the mixture of blood. Just claim that it's goat blood. To me, it's, it, it's a power that the Chizkuni said it. Yeah, whatever. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, just goat blood. I, I, a goat was shechted there. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be about that so much. The, yeah, Jace. Did you, did you, you said the boiling for 100 years. Yeah, good. So now we're about to get to those. Yeah, those are the obvious answers, right? Obviously, it, it looked weird and it had been there for a long, long time, right? Okay, so the Chavos Yar in Simon Lamed says, if the blood is right in front of you, then you can tell the difference between goat blood and human blood. Since there was no human blood there, the goat blood was similar enough that it would fool Yaakov Avinu, right? So it's like this. He looked at it. It looked somewhat like human blood, so it's fine. But if you take goat blood and you put it up to the human blood, it doesn't look the same. That's the Chavos Yar's answer. The Paris Yosef says, he asked an answer, he said, how could they assume that Yaakovinu wouldn't be able to tell the difference? Yaakovinu, I would assume, in my mind, was an expert on Dam. One of the biggest things that we find in Klal Yisrael today, almost every, every rav of every town, of every shoal, knows what Dam is for Dam Nida purposes. Now, maybe you're not able to tell the difference between Dam Nida and Dam Basulim, but a person who's been an expert rav for many, many years does have an eye for what's human blood and what the different things are. Diane Fisher, for example, in Eretz Yisrael's Atzal, he was able to tell everything, every little nuance of blood. So how in the world did Yaakovinu not know the difference? And I know you can tell me, well, there was no such thing as Damnita back then. Well, not, there was no such thing. But Damnita was not a thing that they saw back then, so therefore it didn't make that much of a difference. To me, that's a strange answer. I find that a really, really strange answer to be able to say that he wasn't able to tell the difference between goat blood and human blood. Are they that similar over there? So he answers, and he argues that goat blood is the same as human blood. He says it absolutely is. But Nebuzaradan saw, as Jason just said, blood that was bubbling and boiling on the ground that was 100 years old. And when you compare goat blood of today to a blood that's been sitting there for 100 years old, he saw there was a difference. This is not the same. This is goat blood from 100 years ago. Why is there goat blood from 100 years ago? And that's when they said it was from Zachariah. They knew there was something different over here. There was nothing you could do. Deborah said it another answer. The fact that it was boiling. And that, Nebuzaradan looked at it and said, why is it boiling and bubbling up like that? To which Nebuzaradan was told, oh, there's a skula by Korban blood that when it spills, it bubbles and boils up. 
So he tried it. He put blood on the ground and it didn't do that. So he realized that you're lying to me. What is this? And he found out that it was human blood. It was Zachariah blood over here. Yalkut Teiman. Found this in the Torah Shlema. If you found a stranger medrash, I'd like you to tell me, okay? He says this blood was from a goat that was from the house of Lot. And I know that rhymes, but it's only because I said goat in English, okay? So it's from the house of Lot, and it had no horns. It was a female goat that was pregnant, and when it was shechted, it cried out loud, its voice reached the heavens, and the Malachim heard it say, who will go tell Yaakov that I am being killed and that Yosef is still alive? One of the Ruchos went to Yaakov Avinu and told him it, but Yaakov didn't believe that Yosef was still alive. This blood remains on the ground until the times of Mashiach, and he will come and be Mechaper for it. Unbelievable medrash, right? I did not spend enough time this week trying to look up this medrash and try to figure out what's going on here. I've only seen it in one place, and nobody that I saw gave an explanation for it. Has anybody heard this before? That it was a lot goat? Nobody have ever seen that, right? Nobody's ever heard. Why would it be Lot's goat over anything else? I have absolutely no idea. I'm sure it has to do with the Machlokas Lot and Avram Vino had, right, between their goats and stealing from the land of Eretz. So I have absolutely no idea what it meant over here. Yeah? At this point, wouldn't it have been either Ammon or Moab, not Lot's? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, unless Lot's goats were... <laughs> sounds awesome. Lot's goats are, like, going around, and they're just like, I'm Lot's goat, and I've been sitting here for so long, and now finally I can be shechted. I don't know, and it got pregnant. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. I'm sorry? So there's no question. You're right. Lot is connected to Mashiach, but that still doesn't help me figure out. Listen, I wanted to spend a little bit of time in this. I didn't because I concentrated on the last measure that we're going to get to, which is probably the greatest measure I've ever heard before in my life. So because of that, I'm going to go with that. But regardless, this is going to be a big one. If you can think of anything, then definitely tell me. Pharisee Yonis and Yonis and says, the Shvatim knew that Claudius Yisrael were destined to have tohu before Tikkun. There was going to be something bad before something good happened. They saw that Shol Amalek was going to be killed at war before David Amalek was going to be able to come king. Mashiach ben Yosef is going to die before Mashiach ben David is going to come into play. Maybe they should take matters into their own hands. Says Yo- said the Shvatim, Yosef will have to die in order for us to have the final tikkun. Maybe they took that idea into their heads and they mamish wanted to kill a Mashiach ben Yosef in order to get into Mashiach ben David. On the other hand, many leaders in Kalei Yisrael had to prove their power before they became kings in order to show that they're ready to be in charge. Shimshon, for example, had to tear apart a lion in order to show that he was ready to lead Kalei Yisrael. David Melech had to do so as well when he was a shepherd, tore apart, the be- tore apart the bears and the lions before he ended up becoming leader. If Yosef was destroyed by a wild animal, then he could never be a king. That's what they were trying to show Yaakov. They were trying to say, see, Yosef was killed by a wild animal, so therefore he could never be destined to be king. Such a person could not have had that happen to him. Yeah. Those guys came later, so like who said telling an animal? True. The concept, I guess, was there. The idea of tohu before tikkun. I guess that's there. So there's Rabbi Yonis and Ibshitz's The concept is that they knew this had to happen, so therefore let's apply it now. Perhaps they understood it in that way. Besides, we do see that by the lives of the Avos, where there seems to be something bad that happens that leads to something good right afterward, I guess. Like Sarimina being taken, and then she becomes pregnant with Yitzchak, where the Be'eros have to be argued upon, and then somehow Yaakov and Yosef, Yosef and, uh, I'm sorry, Yaakov and Esau were going to be, I, somehow were going to be brought about. I guess that's the concept behind it. So yeah, you could say some, such a thing. Orachim HaKadu says he did this in response to Ruben's issue. He was the Bechor. 
right? Reuben was the Bechor. He would be responsible to find Yosef and go all around the world to be able to do this. Had Yosef remained in the pit like he suggested, at least even if he would have died, he could show Yaakov into the pit and say, look, here's Yosef's body. Everything's right here. You could at least bring back the bones. Now that he could be anywhere, Reuben would have to travel throughout the world to try to find him for the rest of his life. That's why they dipped the shirt, because of Reuben. So it would look like an animal dragged the body away to its lair, so then Yaakov is not going to say, let's go find the body, because how are you going to find the body if it's dragged away to some lair? There was no way for that to happen. Now the rush says that not only did they dip it in blood, and this makes a lot of sense, and maybe you thought of this as well, it can't be you just dip it in blood. It, it, it looks so silly. Like you take a shirt and you dip it in blood, and you're just like, look, crazy, right? That's crazy. It looks like a shirt dipped in blood. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like that was done well at all. Says the rush, they put animal hole, like teeth holes inside it. They took a knife and tore it in good places so it would look like an animal tore it apart and caused him to bleed out onto the shirt. And that's where the blood came into play. This was not like a haphazard, let's dip it inside blood and then show it and throw it in front of Yaakov Inu. That's not what happened. It was actually cut through and then thought about, let's make the blood stains here. No, let's put the blood stains there. They actually thought about what they were going to do before they did it. The Gurari says that's what it means by the word Bayeshalchu. It doesn't mean they sent the shirt. It means they cut apart the shirt. <laughs> they made tear marks in the shirt over here from the word Ma'avor Shaleach. Shaleach also means like a big, big knife. Norman says it as well, and it makes a lot of sense. How could they have torn Yosef's body? How did Yosef's body get out of there? If he, the shirt's filled with blood, obviously the body was filled with blood. But if the shirt wasn't torn, then how did an animal get the body out of it? Like, that's just ridiculous. So it must be that they did both of them. The Guraya, though, says he doesn't understand. It sounds like from the Pusik that they dipped it into blood, and then they cut open the shirt. You should do the opposite. You should have cut open the shirts and then dip it into blood to put the blood in the right places. Otherwise, this looks weird. You're dipping it into blood, and then you're cutting it in random places in order to make it seem like something. Gurari says something's wrong here. The word by Yishalhu cannot be the raya that they cut it open, because they would have done that first instead. That's Gurari's problem with it, but I don't think he argues with the concept. The concept makes a lot of sense that he's going to go through here. There's no question there's Mita Kenegamita. What's the Mita Kenegamita? Yaakov Avinu fooled his father Yitzchak with what? With Sure. Not, not with a shirt. Goat skins and two goats that he shechted and brought to his father. He fooled him with goats. So therefore, Yaakov was fooled with goats. There's no question that was Mita Kenegan Mida. That's not a coincidence. That is 100% true. It's amazing, by the way. I don't quite get it. Goat hair was like Esau's hair, and goat blood is like human blood. I'm not fully getting it. What is with that? Why is it that way? What kind of goats are we talking about? It's very strange to me that these connections are being made as if we're saying, and I know sa'ir is usually the word that's also used to refer to shadim in some way, shape, or form. I'm feeling there's something much deeper going on here that I'm missing, that on the surface is like, yeah, goat hair is like human hair. Yeah, goat blood is like human blood. There's something really strange going on with this that I'm missing, that I'm just not getting, that something's happening over here, which is happening. Yeah, Ash. Good, very good. Even though Yaakov Avinu did it l'shem shamayim, he still caused his father to have charada gedola. 
he still caused his father to be upset. And therefore, he himself had that Harada Gedola. Yes, he did it with a Yeah, he did it with a Psak from a Gedola Hador. We're talking about Rivka Yimenu telling Yitzchak, telling Yaakov, this is what you have to do. But nonetheless, it doesn't make a difference. What happened was Yitzchak was given pain. By Yevk Oso, Aviv was given to Yaakov because of the pain that he gave to his father. It shows us that, yes, you do something L'Shem Shemayim, good, you're supposed to do it. That doesn't mean you're not going to be punished. That doesn't mean that everything's going to work out well. It doesn't always work out that way. It's a crazy line that that's there. That's the all Aryeh, by the way, that's from the label cats who brings that down. I think that, that it sounds to me like 100% true. We're going to say, Ash, more? Yeah, so that, in Barashas Rabba, we say it was a midi kinegamida on Yosef as well. What did Yosef say? That the brothers were eating aver minachai, limbs from live animals, right? So the brothers specifically shechted a goat to take its blood. Do you need to shecht a goat to take its blood? No, you just need to cut the goat and take the blood. But they wouldn't eat from a live animal. They wouldn't even take the blood from a live animal. Even if they just want the blood, they shecht it. So certainly if they're going to eat it, they're going to shecht it. That's the concept. Even though it seemed like the Shvatim were over on Avram and Achai, the brothers would never do such a thing. The Shvatim Shiftei Kal would never have done such a thing. And that was another meeting can I meet over here. Yeah. By regular Baal Chaim? Oh, if you don't intend to give pain to the animal, we paskin halachically that you are allowed to take the blood, you do whatever you want to the animal. I don't intend to hurt it. I need something from the animal. I need the blood. So if you're allowed to do it, even though it hurts the animal. So that you're allowed to do. So halachically you can do it. I would assume so. Yeah, you would assume so. You'd assume that's what ended up happening over here. And again, this was Mita Kinegamida on the Shatim as well. This is from Rohanan Wasserman. Maybe you've heard this before. It's one of the most brilliant shut. I, I mean, listen, I, you're talking from me. I think it's one of the most brilliant Kovitz Mamarams out there. He says it in a way where he says at the very end, he says, Vim Shagisi, if I made a mis- mistake, Hashem Yechaper Badi, Hashem should be Machaper for me. He says, It makes no sense that there are blood libels in Klau Yisrael that there were ever blood libels. Blood libels make no sense for a nation that has four times in the Torah that you can't drink blood. Four times we have that. We've never, have you ever heard of a situation where Jews are drinking blood? Where we have any chag that is any shaykhis to drinking blood? We have anything like that. So it makes no sense that anybody would make up such a thing. Lies that are made by other nations against us are based on something that's true. Like Shylock is based on the concept that Jews love money. So we, whatever, <laughs> listen, we know who we are. So either way, we get it. Like that, that makes sense. But the blood libels, where does that come from? Says Rohan Wasserman. It makes no sense. There's no truth to it. Where does it come from? So he says, it's from this. Since the Shvatim dipped the coat into blood, coat, gosh, ah, shirt into blood. So it must be, it must be that that was given over to them for, for all time. That their children would be constantly, constantly badgered by a concept of blood. They're into blood. They need the blood for their matzahs, for their wine on Passover. They need something like that. It's such a crazy concept. He says, if I made a mistake here, Shem Badi. But that's how this lie has been so popular for so many years, for hundreds of years almost, in which they were able to use this lie to get on Klau Yisrael. It's because of what the Shiftekal did. And my Sim Labanam, that happens over there. I'm going to skip what's here in Pasuk Lamed Beis. I know I have a Shach, a Grizz, a Rashbam, a Das, a Kenim, Targunus, and a Chizkuni, a Tam Bedas. I, yeah, anyway. Lamed Gimel. In Pshat, Yaakov saw the blood in his son's shirt and immediately assumed a wild animal had killed his son 
and tore apart his body, grabbing the pieces and bringing the pieces down to its lair. That's the idea. The only thing that was left on the ground was the shirt that was filled with torn pieces and blood on it and whatever it was. In Pshat, that's what Yaakovinu thought. The Chizkuni in the tour says he concluded it couldn't have been human robbers because human robbers wouldn't have left the coat. This coat was such a beautiful, expensive cloak, shirt. God, I hate that I'm old. I get so used to it. I, I, all I think of is Technicolor Dreamcoat. There's all I can do, and I think red and yellow and blue, and that's all I can do. It doesn't leave my head. But seeing this on the ground, it could not be human robbers. They would have taken it. There's no question they would have taken this beautiful shirt. Therefore, he didn't bother going to look for him. There's no question it was an animal, and if it's an animal, then there's no way I'm going to get his body back, and that's going to be there. It wasn't yeah. beautiful anymore. It was torn to pieces and blood all over No, well, well, but the people would have seen that, that shirt and immediately would have said, don't, don't make him bleed all over it. The robbers would have stolen the shirt and then cut him to pieces. Right? If they killed Yosef, there was no way they would have sullied that shirt. That's what Yaakovina looked at, and it makes sense. Why would anybody who's human, who sees such a beautiful shirt, why would they ever do such a thing? It doesn't make any sense to be able to do such a thing. I'm sorry? It was even state. Again, you see a guy wearing a really, really nice leather jacket. You're, you're, you're living on the west side, okay? You're, you're a west side dude. You see a guy wearing a really, really nice leather jacket. You stab first and then take the coat later? No, you, st- you stand there and you say, take off your coat. The guy takes off his coat. Take off your watch. You take his watch. Take out your wallet. I, I-, I haven't done this before. I'm just assuming, right? And then afterward, everything gone. And then afterward, you say, okay, now I'm going to slash you. That's when you do it. You don't slash first if you see a really, really nice shirt on the person. That's not what you do. Again, I'm not teaching you how to rob a person. I'm just saying, this is like the most obvious thing in the world. If a- a- an animal doesn't get it, right? But robbers should get it. That's what they're doing for a living. It's not like this guy was like Jack the Ripper, who Who's like going around just slashing people to pieces and like taking rid of, getting rid of their shirts. To me, that doesn't make any sense. That, that same idea. The Chizkuni and the Torah saying that it just makes sense. Then it says it was genuine shock. It was actual genuine shock. He couldn't believe that Yosef could be hurt by any person with Bechira, let alone by an animal. Because How could it be? He couldn't understand it. And therefore, the double use of the word Tarof Taraf. Tarof Taraf Yosef? Could it be possible that anyone was able to tear up Yosef? That a human being or an animal was able to tear up Yosef? It just didn't make any sense to him. Ben Yishchai Yosef Chai takes it a step further. He says, hold on. I sent him to go do a mitzvah. I made him a shliach mitzvah. He was doing kibbutz avayim. If he was doing keep it up aim and he was going to check out what happened to his brothers and I told him to do it. I made him into a shleach mitzvah. How could he be killed on the way he should have been protected by me? He concluded that it must not have been a normal animal that killed him. Because we all know that shluche mitzvah ain't an izukin. They don't get hurt unless shliach Unless it's very common for him to be damaged. Meaning, this was not a normal animal. A normal animal never been, would have been able to touch him. This must have been a crazy animal. This must have been a chaya ro'a achalasu. That's how the Ben Yishchai concludes. A shliach mitzvah is protected, but I must have sent him to a place where there were extremely dangerous animals, evil animals in that area. I must have sent him to a place where there was a lion den, or where there was a, I don't know, a leopard area, where there were tons of things, and it's my fault. And that's why chaya ro'a achalasu. A human being wouldn't have done it. A regular chaya would have no permission to do it because shleach mitzvah in Izokin. It must be chaya ro'a achalasu. It's my fault for sending him to that place. That's the idea behind it. The Chidah says, there's a Zohar Chadush. I, I, I don't know if anybody knows this story, but I remember reading it in, in our father's ways. You know those little green books? 
right, that were made for kids? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. One person. Yes. So now, it wasn't a dream. So in our father's ways, he brings down this story. It's mentioned in the Zohar Chodesh, page 86. Here's the story. Rabbi Elazar saw that there was a snake that was going through somewhere, and the snake was on its way to kill. I guess he was able to read the, the mind of the snake or the, the scales of the snake. He was able to see that it was on its way to kill somebody. So Rabbi Elazar halted the snake and said, you can't go because maybe the guy did tshuva. It turns out that the guy did do tshuva. The snake was told to kill him, but he did tshuva while the snake was coming there. And because he was on his way there and he was halted, whatever, so the snake was really, really upset. So Rabbi Elazar ended up finding out there was someone else who was high of Misa. So he allowed that other person to be killed through the snake. So Rabbi Elazar said, now you can go kill that person. The snake was like, yay. So the snake went and went and killed that person instead. Right? And that person, whatever, he saw it around the body. Crazy story over here. Okay? But the idea is, is that a Chayo an evil animal, says the Chida, has a desire to destroy even if it's told stop. Even if you tell it, don't do it. You can't do it anymore. The Chaya Ra will do it anyway. So maybe this animal was sent to kill Yosef. And surely Yosef did tshuva in the time that it took for that animal to go up to Yosef and before it actually killed him. But because Yosef at Tzadik, even though he did tshuva, because that was Chaya Misa, a Chaya Ra wouldn't listen to the edict from Shemayim. A Chaya Ra would do it anyway. Because he was given permission. I'm not going to stop doing it, whatever I'm supposed to do. Therefore, Torov Torah. It happened because of this Chaya Ra. Tremendous Chidah, but that's the concept that he brought down over here. Next thing. Rashi and Parshvayichi says he had already suspected this was not a wild animal. I know up until now we've been assuming wild animal. That's the idea. Rashi brings it down. The Chizkuni, the Tur, everything brings it down. Rashi and Parshvayichi shows he never thought it was a wild animal. And I know we're all thinking this. We're all thinking this. Was Yaakov really fooled by this? A little, a shirt comes in with blood on it. They're like, look at this. And he's like, ah, oh, wild animals. Is that really what happened? Is that, I mean, it, would that be anyone's reaction? You know how Yosef is with the Shvatim. And then all of a sudden the Shvatim come in with a shirt filled with blood. And they're just like, guess what? Huh? Huh? So for sure, Yaakov looked at it and said, yeah, guys. I, mean, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It would be obvious. So he did. In Parshas Vayechi, he says to Yudah, Mi teref bini alisa. After tearing my son apart, you became raised up. He already suspected Yehuda. He said, once you destroyed my son, Torof, Toraf Yosef, Mi teref bini alisa. Yehuda, you're a lion. A lion didn't destroy my son. You, Yehuda, destroyed my son. He already had the suspicion, the chshad in. He always thought the shvatim were involved, but he didn't want to say anything. If they're not going to tell me, and Hashem doesn't want to tell me through Ruach HaKodesh, then I don't need to know. And by the way, that's an unbelievable level of Yaakov Avinu. But that's Yaakov Avinu when Dina is taken, and Dina is, is taken forcefully, Yaakov is silent. When Yosef is taken, Yaakov assumes a wild animal took him. He didn't say a thing. The Shvatu aren't telling me. Hashem isn't telling me. My father Yitzchak isn't telling me. I don't need to know. Then I don't need to know. He wanted to know. He wished he could know. He couldn't understand why this had happened. But if Yudah's not telling me, and that's that. And that's the Pshat. This is brought by many Midrash. The Midrash Yilam Deinu, the Midrash Hachifetz, the Midrash Tanchuma, and a few others. The Kliyakr says it wasn't only Yudah. He suspected all the Shvatim. They're all Chayos. 
Every single one. Naftali is a deer and Binyamin is a zave. Right? Everybody has their own. And I realize Binyamin was probably not involved in this. But everybody had, a, had nimshlu lechayos. They were all like wild animals. She suspected all of them of being involved over here. So he understood. There's no way that this happened just by a wild animal. It has to be regarding this. That's why the next parsha immediately goes into Yehuda's downfall. Yehuda obviously marries the daughter of Shua, Abbas Kanani. She ends up having, he ends up having children. Aaron, Onan are born and they marry Tamar and both of them die and then Shela, etc. The downfall of Yud is immediately afterward because this is what caused it. Yaakov already suspected it. The immediate result is you caused me to lose a child. You lost two children. I know Yaakov didn't do this on purpose. It's his own grandchildren. Obviously, Yehuda was not trying to... That, that didn't happen on purpose. But the concept, you caused that to happen, that Mita Kinegamita that goes through, should be pretty obvious over here. Melvin says there were two reasons he saw that animals could not have destroyed his son. First of all, he wasn't a terrible sinner. Yo- Yosef didn't really do anything wrong. Even if he deserved to die, like the prophet by Edo, Edo was killed by a lion but not eaten. Yosef could never have done anything so bad that would cause him to become eaten. Even if Edo was, was killed by a lion, his body remained. How could Yosef's body be gone and the shirt is over here? Second of all, where's his undershirt? Yosef did not just wear a Ksonis possum. He wore a Ksonis as well. Where's the Ksonis? Where's the regular shirt that he wore? He couldn't understand. If the lion took it away, I don't know if Tzitzis might be because Psilcha, right, by Yehuda could be Psilchela, uh, so it's possible. But I don't know, whatever he wore, it makes no sense that Ksonis Pasim was on the ground, but the shirt, the undershirt was gone. Both of them should be on the ground. Where's the other Ksonis? And that was something. Why didn't the Shvatim take away the regular shirt? Simply put, they didn't want him to be naked when he was given over to the Ishmaelim. So they left his shirt on him. So y- Yaakov already suspected if the shirt's not there, just six stone is possum, something else happened to Yosef. He already had his suspicions. He knew that. What's up, Martin? Isn't it possible, because uh, you said uh, he knows Yosef I think that was there. And according to this answer, I think it's 100% right. The Malbim is saying he already suspe- he had these suspicions. This idea of him suspecting Yos- of Yehuda and understanding there's something going on behind there, 100%. He had the suspicions. He realized there's media connecting media in the world. He knew what he had done to Yitzchak, even though, as Asher said before, he did it with Shemayim. Nonetheless, he understood what happened over here. And he also understood why this had happened. Lashon Hara causes Chayos Rose to come into the world. Perhaps that's the reason why. He's already seen things that clearly meant something over here that was around. Rabbeinu Ephraim and Moshe Zekanim say they thought that the Shvat, he thought that the Shvatim had tied him up and allowed wild animals to get to him. He knew something was up. He just couldn't figure out exactly what. And again, he's not the person to ask questions. If Hashem and Yitzchak and the Shvatim don't want to tell me, I don't need to know. That's the way that Yaakovina was. And that makes sense to me. I'm just telling you right now. At the end of the day, if you ask the question, so why didn't he find out? Why didn't he question the Shvatim? Why didn't he say anything else? That's not Yaakov. That's just not Yaakovinu. Throughout the Torah, that's not Yaakovinu. He doesn't ask. Lavan gives him the wrong girl for his wife. And he gets up in the morning. He's like, so another seven years then? Is that, is that what we're doing? Okay then. <laughs> it's not a normal human being. But Yaakov's not a normal human being. Yaakov Avinu is a strange human being. Somebody who's the greatest person that we've ever had. The Bechir Sheba Avos. 
whatever needs to happen will happen, and he understood it, and he accepted it. He was good with it. He mamish was good with it, and that's something that's there. Now we get into the crazy parts, okay? Tagumiyotosan and Rashi says, how much time do I have? Oh, gosh. All right, Tagumiyotosan says, and Rashi brings down, this is not about what happened to him in the past. When he said, that a wild animal ate him, means a chayro will eat him. The Chayara refers to Asia's Potiphar. He saw Zleika, the wife of Potiphar, his name was Zleika. He saw Zleika doing what he was, she was going to do to Yosef. He had no idea where Yosef was. He had no idea why Yosef was going to have this challenge. But there was going to be a challenge with Asia's Potiphar and something bad was going to happen. He saw through Rocha Kodesh was going to happen, right? The wild animal, the bear was going to come against him. And he said, oi, how is this going to happen? A bit of Nebu was just placed in his mouth. The bear Basada says, this happened as if it was in the past. He saw it as if it was right there in front of his face. And that's the reason why it was okay. How do you get Rocha Kodesh if he lost his Nebu? Didn't we just say he had no nevuah and he didn't have anything? So how was he able to get that little bit of Ruach HaKodesh? Says the Gorarie, he didn't have a full cup of nevuah, but he had a little bit. He had a tiny little bit to be able to see something that's going to happen to Yosef in the future and knew that Yosef was still alive, but he wasn't able to see the entire thing and ask the question why it had all happened. Hashem gave him a tiny little bit, but not more than that. And then he started becoming sad, and that's when he lost his nevuah completely and everything was completely gone. So it was like little, 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 then gone completely. And that's what ended up happening over here. The Chidah says that he knew. He couldn't understand fully, but he knew that what happened with Zleika, what would happen with Zleika, would be so important for the future of Klai Yisrael. He knew that it would mean the tikkun for Adamarishan would be lost if Yosef Atzadik was together with Eishas Potiphar, and he knew all this. So he knew, knew this is a real animal. This is not just Stam something. This is the whole world that's going to be involved over here, and that's what he cried for. Perhaps because he cried and because he wouldn't be consoled, that's why Yaakovinu's face came to Yosef when Yosef needed it the most. He saw what was going to happen, dove into Hashem and said, Hashem, let me be there at that moment. And he was given that permission. And his face was there at the moment when he needed it by far the most over here. Igret Akalo says, the words of a tzaddik happen even when he doesn't mean to say it. When a person of that power, of that immense power says a word, even if he doesn't mean to say it, it happens. When he said, a wild animal must have eaten him, says Igret Akalo, therefore a wild animal will eat him. Aishas Potiphar will be involved and Aishas Potiphar will try to destroy him. It's because of what he said that Aishas Potiphar was able to seduce him so badly. That's the concept. Yes. Yeah. The Akalasu is that something is going to happen. Now you should know, says exactly that. Something did happen. What happened when Aishas Potiphar did seduce Yosef at Sadiq? He lost 10 tipin of Zara. No reason to, to translate those words. If you don't know what I mean, that's fine. He lost 10 tip in Azera. He lost. He lost something. He didn't lose everything, but he was consumed. The 10 tip in Azera means he lost 10 children. 10 children were lost by Yosef. Now, granted, Binyamin was able to pick them up, but the 10 children were lost over here. So, Mamish, he lost. He did lose. Torof, Toraf, Yosef. Yosef was torn apart and lost what he could have been. He could have had 12 Shvatim. Instead, he only had two, Ephraim and Asher. He lost them because of Asher's Potiphar. So, yes, Achalasu. He was consumed. He was absolutely consumed from what had happened over here. I will tell you the greatest shot ever. Tzopnas Paneach says in Nida Yotesim Abeis, we say the blood of an ox is very dark. And it's very similar to the blood of a bucher under the age of 20 who has not yet been married. If you are under the age of 20 and you have blood, your blood is darker like the blood of an ox. Goat blood is lighter. And it looks like the blood of a person who has been married, who has been together with his wife. When Yaakov saw the blood on the shirt and it looked lighter, 
like goat blood, he was shocked. Because the Shatan put the goat blood in there. He was shocked. He assumed his son had sinned. His son must have been together with a woman, even though he was under 20. He was 17 years old, years old at the time. And that's why I said, Torof, Toraf Yosef. Yosef must have sinned horribly beforehand. He's had children, clearly. That's what he thought. But Yosef must have sinned. The Chaya Ra was referring to the Yetzirah. Because he spoke out loud and suspected his son, who was a tzaddik, that he had done something wrong. That's why Zleiko was given permission to seduce Yosef. Because he had said out loud, he, is t- he has been together with a woman, therefore a woman was allowed to be Motsi Zera of Yosef, and Yosef lost ten children because of it. What an unbelievable line. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details on this. That, to me, that's an absolutely unbelievable tzapnas paneach. There's a Chidusha Rim, by the way, that learns a very important halacha from over here, that if a woman is in Aguna and you find a shirt that the guy, her husband, used to always wear, that is a sign that the husband is dead. How do we know? From right over here. Yaakov saw the shirt, the Ksonis Pasim, that's what he usually wore, and said, Torah Torah Yosef. He concluded that Yosef was dead from seeing the shirt, which means, halakhically speaking, this is a real halacha. And we learn it from over here, says the Chidush HaRim, and also by the Be'er Mayim Chaim. If you find a shirt that the guy always wears, that's his shirt, you find it, that can prove that the person's dead. That will prove it, yeah. Now, great call. The person that asked the Kasha to the Chidush Rim said that to the Chidush Rim and said, but he wasn't dead. The Rav said, the Chidush Rim said, no, since the Torah puts it in the Torah and tells us what Yaakov said, that's the halacha. That's the halacha, even though in the end it happened to not be true. So we learned the halacha from this, even though it wasn't true at the end of the day from this. Now, here we go into the last ones. Here's the Sefer Ayasher, unbelievable measures. Yaakov sent all of his children to the fields to bring back the first wild animal that they could find, assuming that that wild animal that they found would be the one that killed Yosef. They brought back a mother wolf and brought it over to Yaakov. Yaakov screamed at it with a bitter voice, Why did you eat my son Yosef? How could you not be afraid of Hashem and do something so evil? May God punish you for what you've done. Hashem allowed the wolf to speak to Yaakov. And it said, the wolf said out loud, by the life of Hashem who has created the world, I have, I have not seen your son, nor have I eaten him. I came from a faraway land. I'm looking for my own child who has been lost for these past 12 days. I was caught by your sons and I was brought here. If you want to kill me, go ahead and do so. But I swear to you, I never killed nor eaten a human being in my whole life. That's what the wolf said. When Yaakov heard that, he sent the wolf away. That an unreal medrash? Unreal medrash. So what does the medrash mean? See, even though the Mishnah of Mirkeavos does not bring this down in the list of miracles of Erev Shabbos Ben Hashmashos, it lists that the donkey talked to Bilaam. What about the wolf talking to Yaakov? Why isn't this mentioned? So it could be that it's included in the category of the donkey being able to speak. So too, you got the wolf speaking. In fact, we find in other places that animals speak. For example, the cows that sang Shira when they brought the Arum back to Beit Shemesh on the way back from the Pelishim after Pelishim had gotten their hemorrhoids, etc. Right? We see that that happens. So that makes sense. There's a Ritvan of Udazar Chavdal and Vez. If you want to check it out, that seems to say the same basic idea. Okay. And that's that. He brings... Okay, it could be something else. I saw Panam Yafos. I'm going to tell you over this Panam Yafos, that flaw. I will tell you, he doesn't talk about this medrash at all. Once I saw what the Panam Yafos said, I was like, oh my gosh, this is shot in the medrash. So I don't know if this is what the Panam Yafos meant. The Panam Yafos does not quote the medrash. Panam Yafos just says this Stam, 
And then I found, I realized it's got to be the connection. Binyamin is known as Ze'ev Yitrof, a wolf that tears things apart. Binyamin Ze'ev Yitrof. The word Yitrof is obviously Torof Toraf Yosef. It's obviously connected. When Yosef was grabbed by the Chaya Raw Zleika, he lost those ten drops of Zerah, as we just said, which means he lost ten children. Who brought back those ten children? Binyamin brought them back and named them all after his older brother. The Medrash is saying that Yaakov was wondering what happened to Yosef's children that were lost. He knew Yosef was alive. He knew Yosef's Ephraim and Menashe were alive. The Medrash is dealing with Yaakov looking and saying, what happened to Yosef's kids? When they saw the wolf, and they brought the wolf to Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov assumed Binyamin had davened to take over Yosef's chilek. The same way that Binyamin davened to take over the chilek of the Beis Amikdash. Does everybody know that Gemara and Megillah? Where Binyamin wanted the Beis Amikdash so badly that he begged Hashem and begged Hashem, and he took over the area of the Beis Amikdash, got the little tail that went into the base of Mikdash, that became Binyamin's, right, with Yehuda obviously taking over the most of it, but that concept of Binyamin davening to take over the base of Mikdash, maybe he davened to take over the Chalik of Yosef, that he would be part of everything. Remember, guys, Binyamin is the one who comes in and steals everything just like that. Shalomela comes in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden grabs the kingdom away from Yehuda. Shalomela, Binyamin is the one. Does anybody know that, Medrash? Where they're waiting at the Yamsuf, to jump into the Yamsuf. Who jumped into the Yamsuf? Nachshamay You know what the Medrash says? Medrash Rabbah? Binyamin jumped in the sea instead. Binyamin jumped in first and they tried stoning him for trying to jump in first. Binyamin is the one who jumps in when nobody expects him to be there. That's the idea of what Binyamin stands for. He's the Tarof. He grabs things and he jumps. So Yaakov suspected Binyamin of davening to take over the Chalik of Yosef and to bring it to himself. He's the one who has the ten children. He's the one who grabs everything. He's the one who was Torof, Toraf, Yosef, who grabbed it away from Yosef. And he ran over to Binyamin and he said, The wolf, what were you thinking? Why did you try to grab it away? And Binyamin answers, He was doing it for his own children. He was davening to have children for himself. He hadn't had children yet. He was Zoha to have children. He never wanted to take it away from someone else. Only if someone else lost it would he be able to take it. But he never wanted to take it away from someone else. That's what the Medrash means. The Medrash means that the wolf was saying to Yaakov, you know, I didn't take anybody. I didn't eat anybody. I didn't destroy anyone. I took what I wanted and HaKadosh Baruch gave it to me from someone else. That's the concept. If not for the Chilak of Lashon Hara that Yosef spoke, maybe Yosef would have kept the ten kids. He didn't. So Binyamin Davin for children and he was Zoha to the ten children that Yosef lost. That's the concept. Yosef got the Mishkan. Binyamin may have davened for it, but he didn't steal the Mishkan. He just stole the base of Mikdash. It could be that he said to Yaakov, you know, I never stole the Mishkan either. I left the Mishkan by Yosef itself. Yaakov was satisfied, and Binyamin deserved to have whatever he got. He ended up getting that. I think that's the shot behind the Medrash itself. It's an unreal line. But the Binyamin Ze'ev Yitrof, I think, gives the entire thing away. Let's stop with this, guys. We talked a lot about what happened with Yosef Atzadik. Have a great Shabbat.